Hi everyone, my name is Melissa Lee and I'm your health coach who targets women with PCOS and women in general who wants to achieve stubborn weight loss. I do my best work when I work with PCOS urban women in their 30s who are embarrassed about their weight but want to feel comfortable in their bodies and are able to lose stubborn weight naturally. In this podcast, we talk about various topics including why stubborn weight loss is so hard to achieve. If this is you, definitely put this in your podcast list because one episode will be released every single week. Hi everyone, today I'd like to introduce you to Vashti Tanahel. She's a hormone and functional nutrition coach, environmental toxins educator, mother of two daughters, and founder of Green Papaya Health. We're going to be talking all about toxins and its impact not only on the reproductive system, but our insulin levels, our weight loss journey, and hormone health. As you know, part of my PCOS weight loss program involves the stage of removing toxins from my environment. And this is a great way for all of you out there to understand why I have included it into the program. So welcome to the podcast, Ashti. Thanks, Melissa. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm so excited to have you here because I'm actually really interested in the whole toxins and hormone health and everything. Um, And I really want to let our audience know that toxins play a huge role in weight loss, more yes. than more than is talked about. Um, so let's get started. Who are you and what are you all about? Um, well, I'm Vashti Conahaley, and um, I'm a certified integrative women's health coach. Um, I specialize in helping women with hormone um, and menstrual problems and imbalances. Um, Really, I help women across the lifespan, but right now my focus is women in perimenopause from ages about 35 to 50. Um, I'm also an environmental toxins educator. Um, I have a certificate from Laura Adler, actually, um, and this is a subject I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, So what got you into this passion of learning from Laura? Um, well, actually, my own wellness journey, I think, as so many health coaches, it's our, our own journeys that bring us to this work. Um, and I just, I have two little girls, actually, and they're, I started reading all about it. And, you know, as a new mom, reading about BPA and that it's not really that great. You know, they just changed the chemicals. And I just started thinking about it and really getting into it. And then through my own journey with um, chronic Lyme disease and Hashimoto's, um, my doctor was like, you know, a big part of this is environmental. And so, you know, you need to go ahead and start working on these things. So it was a kind of a combination of being a new mom and having this health journey that I really started to dive deeply into it. And then I was like, this is a big missing piece, even mm-hmm. in the healthcare field, right? Yeah. So as a health coach, and I was like, my, I, I really want to bring this forward to my clients. Yeah, and I'm surprised that your doctor actually told you to look into your environment because in conventional medicine, they won't actually look at your lifestyle and your sleep and all that. And also, if you're a new mom, I I would think that, you know, you would just want to create a perfect kind of environment for your daughters to grow up in. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how, well, how did you go about doing that? Like, I think for a lot of people, they're like, okay, I have all these things that I need to get rid of or swap off. But it seems very overwhelming. So, um, how was your? What What did you do? I guess the first. It was. It is. It can be really overwhelming, and that's why, like, when I work with clients, it's making it these sort of bite-sized, manageable pieces, and then just like not freaking out about what you can't control. 
I think that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing. Like there's so many things we can't control. So folks, you know, we can. So what I did is I started really in the kitchen. Um, and I had already bought like BPA free things for my kids when they were little. Right. But then I, through Laura and other things I read, okay, BPA free might mean that they've only changed it to BPS. We don't know, mm -hmm. you know, what the, the makeup of that chemical, it, it could be just as damaging. So really moving away from any plastics in the kitchen mm -hmm. was my first step. And because we start with our clients often with food, I feel like that's yeah. a nice way to start that conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's true because food is, you know, everyone eats food and it's like mm -hmm. one of the most important things. Um, right. Okay, cool. So maybe let's talk about toxins a little bit more. Um, sure. Now just give us an introduction, like what are they, where are they found? Well, they're everywhere in our environment. And that's why I say you can't like really get away from them altogether. Yeah. But what we can do is manage our exposures to them, right? So um, really, you're going to hear them be called like many different things, but they're endocrine disrupting chemicals. And what that means is that these chemicals directly impact our endocrine system or our hormone system, right? So it's directly playing into that. And um, how they do that is they can really, they actually can latch on to our hormone receptors, right? So like estrogen and testosterone. So then they're mimicking estrogen in the body. And that's really where I, what BPA does. I mean, I, I use BPA, bisphenol A as the example here because most people have heard about it. Right? Okay. There's, a, yeah. there's a lot of literature and stuff mm -hmm. out there about BPA. Um, so they're, they're really everywhere and they, they're attaching to your estrogen receptors. So then as you can imagine, they are impacting our reproductive health, our periods, um, everything really. I heard they like fat cells, like the lipophilic, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, most of them are. Okay. Which then you know, like if you're working with PCOS and insulin and then they're going in the body into the belly fat, then that is also creating mm -hmm. just more of like, you know, that circle that you don't want to be in. Right, yeah. And then, so for women with, you know, stubborn weight loss, like belly fat, that's who I usually work with. And I mm -hmm. think this is an important part because they probably, most of them are like, you know, from what I've heard, they <clears throat> over-exercise, they've done all these things, portioning out the food, like, oh, but I can't lose, you know, this part of the belly fat. So what, so I guess that would be usually, you know, where the toxins yeah. are lying. Like, do they just mm -hmm. kind of sit there in the fat cells? Yeah, they really accumulate in the fat cells. And some of them, like, have very long half-life, seven to ten years, some even longer. Wow. Um, so they really, they do, they accumulate in our tissues in our body and they accumulate in our environment, in our homes. And so they can slow down your metabolism and then they decrease your, your body's ability to lose fat. Okay. And so what can women do about that? Like that's, that's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean it to be scary. This is just a really yeah. big subject. So, um, you know, going back to, you know, the kitchen, it would be one, again, the first place. So we're going to want to um, eat an organic diet whenever possible, um, because pesticides are one of those things that we're talking about here as an environmental toxin. And so, 
you know, eating an organic diet or at least following, you know, the dirty dozen by the EWG, the environmental yeah. working group. Um, that's a really, um, good resource for, for your clients. Mm -hmm. um, again, avoiding canned foods because most canned foods are lined with BPA, um, not storing your food in plastic ever. Um, when you store your food in plastic, especially if it's been warm and there's like, say tomato sauce is a really good, good, um, example here. And if you ever put tomato sauce in a Ziploc container, right? Mm -hmm. And then it gets that red ring around it. And you're like, oh, I can't get it out. I think it must be a stain. Well, it's not a stain. It's where the chemical has gone. The plastic has leached mm -hmm. into your food and your food has leached into the plastic. Then you're mm -hmm. consuming that as well. Mm -hmm. um, removing your nonstick cookware because those um, also are full of toxins. So you can use cast iron, stainless steel, enameled cast iron, things like that are really good um, mm -hmm. options. Um, and then you can use like, you know, organic uh, reusable plastic, or not plastic, reusable bags, like cotton bags instead of using plastic ones. So those are some okay. ways that you can start doing that. And then I think another really important topic here on this, as far as women are concerned, we tend to um, expose ourselves to about 200 chemicals before we even leave the house in the morning, two unique chemicals, 200 unique chemicals, like it's about the average, because we use so many products, right? Yeah, yeah. And so if you're, you know, maybe it's in your shampoo, your lotion, your toothpaste, it's mm -hmm. everywhere. And so, um, you know, after starting in the kitchen as a woman and, and going into like, oh, it's hard to lose weight, going and focusing on your personal care products, including your feminine hygiene products um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as well, are, is a really so good option. Do you mean like tampons and, you know, the sanitizers yes. also? Yeah. Are they so lined they with BPA? They don't, they're not always lined with BPA, but they have like a lot of chlorine okay. in them that they've been bleached okay. with bleach. There are other numerous chemicals in them that you don't really want um, in that environment. Yeah, yeah. Um, on that note, where where does BPA, you know, where can people find BPA? Because I've heard that it's also in like glossy receipts, in like yes. airline boarding tickets, and that's crazy because now I I try not to um touch those receipts. I'm like put it in there, or like my husband will take yeah. it. He's like, I know it's BPA. So um, yeah, like, yeah, know, it's a plasticizer. Yeah. So it's a plasticizer, so you're going to find it in your plastics and in your receipts and then the canned food linings mm -hmm. of your canned foods, um, in almost a lot of your processed food containers, things like that. It's, it's, a, it's very pervasive. Yeah, yeah. Environment. And it makes me think like all these people or all these women who are like, you know, managing the cashiers and they're just yes. holding these receipts every day and they don't even know it. Mm -hmm. And I've I've even heard of someone she she carries a pair of gloves everywhere she goes in her bag. So in yeah. case like she needs to take them <laughs> in case like you right. know the guy the person doesn't put the receipt in her bag or she would take out her gloves. I mean right. it sounds a little excessive, but at the same time it sounds protective. So I don't know like um, yeah. yeah I mean it is protective. For yeah. sure because you know people are like well it's touching me I don't understand but our mm -hmm. our skin. Mm -hmm. is you know our largest organ so then it's going to be you think about it like we put 
medicines on our skin that are absorbed. So it makes sense that these other things are being mm -hmm. absorbed, right? So it's, it yeah. is a protective measure wearing the gloves. People can say that it's whatever, but it, you can, um, you know, also just have the cashier put it in the bag or don't get a, don't get a receipt, um, mm -hmm. take a picture of the receipt, you know, however it is that you, you want to do that. But Okay. Totally. I'm definitely going to do that. Um, and then also on the topic of skincare, actually, um, I recently, because, you know, all, throughout all my research, I recently started revamping my skincare. It's been really helpful because I've been using a lot more like oil-based, like oil, oil cleansing mm -hmm. uh, products. And then I'm going now into makeup and I'm actually thinking of making my own makeup. But I know not everyone has the time to do their own makeup, like make their own makeup, especially their mom. <laughs> like yeah. they would think I'm crazy. So uh, in terms of makeup, like what should people look for? Or, I mean, it feels like a really big kind of step towards that. But a great place to even start with that actually is um, with the EWG. They have um, a Skin Deep database. It's called okay. Skin Deep. Yeah. And oh, another one you want to watch out for is like talc, T-A-L-C, talc. Um, that's not a great product to have oh, in your makeup. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's just, you just want them to be as clean as possible, you know, mineral based or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but the EWG Skin um, Deep database, um, you can put the brands that you're using currently and it will pop back up with a score based on their very strict guidelines on okay. how um, clean it is. And then if you're like, looking around, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm curious about this, this product, because a lot of companies will greenwash you into thinking something is actually cleaner than mm -hmm, it is. Mm -hmm. And you can put it in that database and it will give you a score. So that's one way Then you're not like buying all sorts of stuff. You can always check mm -hmm. first. So you put in the ingredients or you put in the name? The of brand. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. Into the brand and then like what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Say it's like, I don't know, whatever, you know, Revlon. Yeah mascara right yeah wow want to see how that turns yeah. out um <laughs> okay <laughs> okay cool so maybe let's just go back to a little bit about what do you think is um the biggest misconception when it comes to toxins and women's health i know we mm. cover a little bit you know the whole big picture about all these toxins and where they are at but mm. what is the biggest myth that you know women should back right now to me, it's that the dose doesn't matter. Like that only big doses of a toxin are going to impact you. And I think that's what industry would really, really pushes. And in some chemicals, that's certainly true. But we're noticing that in endocrine disrupting chemicals, these EDCs, mm -hmm. that the low dose does in fact really matter. Um, and then like even in these rat studies that it's, it's transgenerational. So Mm -hmm. your your grandma's exposure to BB, BPA and these other EDCs yeah. are going to impact you like they wow. can they can and we see this especially in like PCOS um that it's a the, the exposures are transgenerational so um I think that's a big one so just knowing that dose does matter um and that really something that I always think about too is that we are ex Exposed every day to more chemicals than our grandparents were in their entire life mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so that's yeah. just like yeah that's huge and a little bit crazy but you're like yeah. okay that is even if I'm not 
you know, having big exposures, I'm having all of these chronic low dose exposures. And nobody knows how that's going to turn out really in the end. (laughs) Yeah, I was having this conversation with my husband uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. And he was asking me, like, why do we need to, you know, uh, eat more supplements? Like, why is there a need to, you know, have a multivitamin or like a prenatal? Like, can't you get that from food? And like, you know, people back in the day, they didn't need all these things. And I'm like, yeah, but people back in the day, they don't also have all these extra pollution and toxins from the environment, like mm. and the chronic stress that we are dealing with. Like it's, it's kind it's really the same bio- biologically, but our environment is different. So that's what we need to take in and be aware of. Right. Um, yeah. More than eight. yeah. Exactly. And our our soils are way different mm-hmm. than they used mm-hmm. to be. We're not getting the same nutrients out of them, the same, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just nutrition has changed drastically. So, yeah. and our bodies, our bodies are doing their best, but you're right. Like there's just so many chemicals mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So another thing I want to bring to the surface is that a lot of people think detox as the way of like, Oh, I need to, uh, you know, drink slimming teas or kind of putting in, more but instead i think they should kind of be increasing their own body's detox organs right like liver and all that right i mean Um, our bodies do an excellent job of of detoxing certainly um but the especially of the liver and our whole body but the liver is really being impacted by all of the environmental toxins that it faces, um, especially when it's like estrogen, because you know it's trying to, to really just get out that extra estrogen, and then you're having all of these EPCs, and it's just getting overburdened. So um, I don't, I'm not always, I think people get a misconception around detox too. We're not like you have to, mm-hmm. you don't have to do this elimination diet, you don't have to do this all the time. Those can have those places for sure, you know, in, yeah. in your life. Um, yeah. But I agree. I think having the current correct nutrients to support our detoxification is critical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, eating more cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts. Um, some of those, if you have thyroid issues, making sure that they're mm-hmm. cooked, cooked, you know, um, and then making sure that people get enough fiber so that mm-hmm. we are supporting, you know, our body's ability, our digestive system's ability to, get out those toxins because we don't want them sitting in there lingering so yeah so is there like an effect like if they linger too long do they eventually get into our bloodstream or do they just kind of you know really sit in the fat cell well i think they're they go into different places so some of them really are lipophilic and love to be in our fat right and they'll Mm -hmm. hang out there but then you have other toxins that you don't you know, you don't want them lingering in, in your um, intestines or anything. And mm-hmm. those are, you can find those in, you know, pesticides and things like that, that we're consuming mm-hmm. in our foods. And then as the food is being, it's going through the detoxification um, or digestive um, system in our body, then you can have issues with that. Mm-hmm. I have so many questions to ask you. Though. I feel like I'm picking your brain right now. Um, okay. So, Yes, that's so, so that's toxins and, you know, fat cells and liver. Um, so what about the ovaries? Because I do know mm-hmm. that, you know, women on P- with PCOS especially, they have trouble, you know, getting fertile. And I've been talking about fertility for a little bit now. Um, so how does toxins kind of play into this? 
Well, they can have a, a really direct impact on the way our ovaries work, especially in PCOS, because they're mimicking estrogen, right? So they're going to, they can lock onto those estrogen receptors on our ovaries and they can tell them to, to do other things. <laughs> and so they can do that. They can, you know, they're going into our ovaries and our uterus, essentially. Um, and so that's going to directly impact our biological processes. And um, there are even studies of, of this, um, you know, that it could even be there from as early as the fetal development. Uh, wow. baby okay so it's really um the impact of these are, i think are much more powerful than we're seeing and that they are really the interplay in our reproductive system mm -hmm. and toxins um mm -hmm. and especially in the cases of pcos you see that a lot as well mm -hmm. yeah and i bet it you know it contributes to uh the estrogen dominance that pcos people have and for all of you out there, even if you don't have PCOS or if you have irregular periods, um, excessive estrogen will, you know, will cause like an imbalance between the estrogen and the progesterone. So that would um, make you have, you know, all those PMS symptoms, painful cramps. You might not even ovulate, which is very common for us. I know mm -hmm. that I spend a good amount of time not ovulating. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's all related, you know, the period health and the stubborn weight loss and all these things. Um, okay, so what about for children? Like, I guess it, it would affect them more, more so than adults. Like, would they, you know, absorb it? Yeah, pregnant women, babies and children would, you know, be the most at risk. Um, mm -hmm for the EDCs and, and their development because they are acting, especially in pregnant moms, it's acting on the fetus, right? Mm -hmm. So then of course yeah. the, the child is already affected and you're not going to necessarily know that until puberty because it may have turned on the genes for PCOS in utero, but then you're not going to see it until um, puberty and their, their hormones are turned on. And does it affect their brain development in babies? Um, you know, that's a really good question. Um, yeah. It can. And like BPA and stuff has been shown to, um, you know, attribute to cognitive disorders as kids are growing up or issues with mm -hmm. um, ADHD, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see. So... How, how about your daughters? Are they, you know, are they aware of toxins around them? Or, yes. I mean, I, I don't think kids are aware, right? Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, they always kind of want to put everything in their mouth and like... I yeah, and it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, so my girls, um, they're six and four now, and they're very aware of like, just how I am around the house and like, oh, mom bought another plant to clean the air in the house you know, or plastic is, is bad. Like they know, mm -hmm. they know this. Um, and so, and with the toy thing, that's hard, but you know, you can buy toys that are wooden or don't have, mm -hmm. you know, plasticizers on them, things like that. There are more and more, um, green, um, options available, healthy options. So that's one thing to look at. Um, and just not letting them like drink out of plastic because you just like, it's absorbing, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. So what do you what do you make them drink out of? 
Because I think glass I, is heavy, right? Yeah, I mean, now they can drink. I do just like small little glass or um, stainless oh, okay. steel glasses. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then if they want a straw, I'll either use a metal straw or a silicone mm -hmm. straw. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're older now, but now like for babies, there's, you know, silicone nipples on bottles, other, you know, uh, ways. And you can do like the glass. Things have changed since I had kids, even in the last four years, there's just a lot more out there. Um, but yeah, I think it's good for kids to be aware. My oldest daughter even did this whole campaign at school about, you know, not using plastic and kids having plastic water bottles. Wow. She'll always be like, you should try something else. Plastic isn't good. Oh, it's just like fake. Is she telling people? Not yeah. To... That is awesome. Yeah. I did not know shit as fake. <laughs> I was mm -mm. still thinking of No. Yeah. No way. Neither did I. No. And it's just a different time. There's a lot more awareness yeah. around it. It's a really, mm -hmm. I don't want to use the word hot topic because that kind of diminishes how mm -hmm. important it is mm -hmm. to be aware of environmental toxins yeah. and their and how they're affecting humans and the planet in general. Yeah, there's a lot more information out there. Mm -hmm. um, well, as we were talking, I just realized something. So I did a quiz on my Instagram story um, yeah. a few days back. So I was asking all these questions like, oh, oily skin is considered dirty or, you know, do we know what is in the word fragrance? And some people mm -hmm. actually replied to that, and they all replied that one answer, nice smelling oil. So I want to address that for a moment because um, there's an option below that I put, we will never know, and that's actually the answer. So I want to address that, oh, actually the word fragrance, you know, it's not mandated or regulated in the industry. And the companies, they can put all sorts of chemicals into their trade secret fragrance, um, can you, you know, mm -hmm. enlighten us a little bit more about that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you see fragrance, if you uh -huh. see fragrance on, on your, um, any sort of personal care product or anything for that matter, um, I don't use it because you don't know what it is. And there are hundreds of different fragrances that could be in there. And we just don't know because they're not required. The companies are not required to, to tell us, um, mm -hmm. which is it's really interesting because some of these things have been like banned in the EU. And so U.S. companies will make better options for them and sell them in the EU, make cleaner mm -hmm. options, right? And then in the U.S., they're still selling us the same mm -hmm. I see. thing that's full of different chemicals yeah, because it's not being banned or controlled right yeah right mm -hmm. I mean there was a push to, to do it um, but there hasn't been a big revamping um, of any of this um, in like over I want to say it was in the 70s it, it just really hasn't been addressed in the way it should be yeah okay and can so uh, let's segue into essential oils. So essential oils is something that's also present in some products. Um, so can you tell us more about that? Like, is it safe mm -hmm. for us? Is it, you know, too powerful for us or harmful for the skin? Um, yeah, essential oils are 
really popular and they're awesome. I mean, I use essential oils as well. Um, and that's, that's really good that you brought that up because I think in products like that, they're generally fine. Um, you can always ask the company like what percentage they're using or the concentration. But I know that um, in some of my products, there's definitely essential oils. Um, I think where we get into trouble is that people start like using them and they don't know how to use them. They're like, oh, essential oils are really cool and hip and it's the newest thing and I want to do it. And then they're just putting them on their skin. Whereas some things like, you know, lavender and certainly other ones can be put on the skin. Um, some shouldn't be. And I think essential oils are really powerful. Um, and they have great medicinal properties. Um, I think it's just knowing how to use them correctly. Yeah, and yeah. probably, you know, diluting them whenever mm -hmm. instead of just like putting it on your, I don't know, face or eyelids, like that would burn your, your face off. Yeah. Yeah, I always read like if I buy them I'll read you know doTERRA whoever I buy I don't have like one brand that I just buy but I will go on and read their um, sort of the paperwork that they put up next to each oil just so I know like how much I should be diluting it especially I find this especially true with kids because kids under five I think it is have to be much more careful with essential oil concentrations than older kids and adults so, um, you know, I just make sure I read about how that one is supposed to be utilized. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and then should we be looking for essential oils in, you know, our products also? Like, I guess that would be helpful, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if your fragrance is an essential oil, then... Yeah. Like I have one thing that I use and I was like, oh, it says fragrance. But then I wrote to the company and they told yeah. me which essential oils it is. And I was like, okay, okay. cool. That's, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but just like some of these like, you know, vanilla smelling lotions or this or that or whatever, yeah. you, don't, yeah. you don't know what that is. And if it's a mass mm -hmm. produced, you're likely not going to get an answer to your question, whether it's yeah. an essential okay. oil or not. I have a question. What about bath bombs or any of those, you know, when you take a hot bath? Um, and then I have another question. What yeah. about soy candles? <laughs> These two. Yeah, that's such a controversy. <laughs> soy candles. Um, I know. You know, I think that the, there's some, Oh, that's a really tough question. I don't use really any candles anymore um, mm -hmm. just because I don't know enough. Um, some, some candles are, are probably just fine. I just don't really use them anymore because then they're eliciting a fragrance again and we don't know where that fragrance came from. Mm -hmm. And then you're, you know. Right. Um, but bath bombs is another one. And I think you can do homemade bath bombs with like essential oils and it's going to be mm -hmm. well, fine. People can also homemade their soy candles, right? Or yeah. Candles, yeah. So again, then when you're in charge of the manufacturing process, you have a much better idea about, Yeah. you know exactly what's in it. It goes the same so. to cooking. You're in charge of right. the cooking and the 
production of basically being in charge of the production of all these things that you use is so much better. Right. That's why it would be awesome if we could all have like our urban farms or whatever. And I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I feel like I just need like a bunch of animals right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, so speaking of, uh, you know, farming and stuff, like how would toxins affect our gut microbiome? Like I think our gut health is a big thing right now. Yeah, it's huge. I think we're just seeing more and more issues with gut health um, in society in general. And that speaks to our poor diet, our poor nutrition, um, you know. And, and then I think also our farming practices, because um, an imbalance in the gut microbiome can occur from any number of factors, right? Mm-hmm. But it can, be, it can worsen with the foods that we eat. Um, GMOs, for instance, which wheat, corn, soy are often GMOs, and I'm pretty certain that most of the soy in the United States is GMO. Pesticides and insecticides, they all can affect our, um, affect our gut bacteria. Yeah, and what about the toxins that we you know, inhale and absorb in the environment? Do they contribute to leaky gut? This is a kind of an interesting one for me. Yeah, that is interesting. I think, I mean, it depends on where you're getting it from. And I think we'll know more like about what is in the air, but it is very Mm -hmm. toxic. So like say your indoor air tends to be four times more toxic than your outside air. Um, I live in Nigeria where it's very uh, toxic outside. And so that kind of freaks me out a little bit. But um, yeah, so I think it's just... I mean, that's one of those things that we can't freak out too much about because we can't change the air we breathe, right? Yeah. I mean, you can, you can't see it you, yeah, and you can manage it a little bit by having air purifiers. You can do things like that or, um, you know, having lots of houseplants, like mm-hmm. they really help reduce your indoor um, air pollutants. What kind of uh, houseplants do you use? Mother-in-law tongue, they, they might be snake tongue, um, mm-hmm. is snake, a really, yeah, really good, one. yeah, yeah. Um, that's a really good one, it, it takes, you know, the toxins out of the air, as do a lot of house plants, and just puts it right into the soil, mm-hmm. um, but the great one about that plant is that it also releases oxygen at night, so it's a really good one to have in your bedroom as well. Okay, nice. Yeah, I do have some peace lilies, and, uh-huh. um, what else do I have? Like a fire plant, an English ivy. Um, mm-hmm. I actually bought an English ivy to remove the mold in my bathroom. Mm-hmm. Although not to remove it, but to kind of, you know, um, prevent mold. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good one to have in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Has that helped? I don't know because I recently bought it just like two weeks ago. Oh, okay. So and then I've been using kind of like a tea tree oil with water for the uh-huh. mold. And it actually mm-hmm. kind of disappeared a little bit. So it yeah. just shows you how potent that essential oils are. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, and then you said that indoor, our indoor environment is four times more polluted than the outside. Like, is that because also I've heard that our furniture kind of releases formaldehyde and all these toxins into the air. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's sort of multifaceted. We live in a a society now where our houses are very, very um, 
tightly put together, right? There's not a lot of cracks. There's not a, there's no airflow really from outside. Um, so that when, you know, a long time ago, your houses weren't put together as well. And they didn't have the building products that we do now. And so there was more sort of airflow in and out of the house, whereas now they're quite sealed. And, you know, we have all these super great windows, this, that, and the other. Well, that helps, you know, that keeps toxins inside as well. Um, But yes, our furniture definitely contributes um, everything, especially like this, you know, our couches, um, beds, things like that, that have, especially fire, fire retardants. And and carpets, yes. (laughs) All of those. Mm -hmm. And you can actually like now, um, I think in definitely California now, um, you can look for um, mattresses that don't have uh, flame retardant and stuff in them. You just have to look at the the tag on there uh, because it's not a requirement any longer to have that. Um, And it's really fire retardant, uh, chemicals are really, really um, prolific, and they they actually come in through your skin. So when you're sitting on the couch, you know, and it's coming okay. out of the couch, it's like getting right. on you. Oh man! See, people, I feel like people don't know that. Like we just know, oh, okay, car pollution, and you know, all these kind of uh, pesticides. That's a big one. That's a big thing. But there are all these little small uh, toxic sources that. I guess you should know about. Yeah. And it's not to overwhelm people. That's like, I really want to tell anyone that's listening. Um, it can seem very overwhelming and scary. And mm-hmm. so it's just making those small changes, like even eating, you know, even if you switch to just eating an organic diet, you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to make a really big impact on your health that way. Um, yeah. reducing your plastics, um, mm-hmm. you know, getting rid of all of those. That's, those can make huge changes in your, in your health. So I don't expect people to go out and, you know, get a new mattress and get all new furniture because that's, you know, there's very few people that can afford to just go change out everything. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you can't be like ripping off your carpet (laughs) just because, you know, like that's crazy. Um, Yeah. And I also, you know, I kind of want to like bring up to people that your, our bodies are so powerful if we give them the right nutrients anyway. So that would help with the detox process. Like most of us, we feel the effects of the toxins because we have poor nutrition and our body is incapable of dealing with that. But if we give them the tools, you know, that mm-hmm. would help us a lot. And that would kind of reduce, right. I think, that people would feel. Yeah, you really want to support, you know, all both phases, especially that phase two detoxification, you know, to, to really help your detoxification pathways and yeah that that's true because our body has so many different ways to that are detox pathways yeah. um our body but power is underrated <laughs> right yeah for sure and it's just you know clean eating good nutrition good sleep good movement just being you know healthier will help your body be able to manage the greater burden that toxins has put on it. Right. And then should we be getting tested for toxin and heavy metals in our blood? It seems you like know, dead, but I'm just that's awesome. for paranoid Well, that's a big, yeah, no, it's a yeah. big question, actually. And a lot of people, um, it's a big topic. So 
I would say not right away, unless you think that you've had like some, like if you have like mercury or you think that there's other things that are impacting your health and you, you really feel like you should, then I'm not saying don't go get mm-hmm. tested. But for the average person who's just wanting to start making these changes, I think making the nutrition and lifestyle changes that we've talked about, something as simple as getting plants or you know starting in the kitchen can help a lot. And then if you feel later on that you're still just not yourself and maybe there's something going on or you live in an area that tells you that maybe you should be tested, yes. um, then you can do it. Okay. I think people with chronic illness, sometimes it's, it's not a bad um, thing. If you're working yeah. with a functional... If you're working with a functional or naturopathic doctor, sometimes they'll run those tests. Um, yeah. Anyway. And then I suppose so also, especially so for auto autoimmune people, you mm-hmm. know, like that would yeah. be a good one to run. For sure. I have Hashimoto's and my doctor ran a whole bunch of tests and it's like copper toxicity and others. And so it gives you a better idea mm-hmm. um, of what's going on. But if you're a generally healthy person, you know, that doesn't have autoimmune or a chronic health issue, it's, you know, yeah. just start with these okay. things in your home. Yeah, small little bits, tidbits. Yeah, exactly. Manageable yeah. and sustainable is what we're looking for. Okay, cool. Um, so I guess we kind of talked a lot about all these things. And also these EDCs, they're also known as obesogens, right? Or xenoestrogens? Yeah, xenoestrogens, obesogens, because obesogens, you know, because they, they're getting in your fat tissue and just creating an mm-hmm. environment where it's very hard for you to lose weight. And in fact, you're like gaining that weight around the middle. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Just wanted to put it out there in case they, you know, people have been reading this and, you know, sometimes they use different terms to kind of describe the same thing. Right. Yes. A hundred percent. So yeah, xenoestrogens, endocrine disrupting chemicals, obesogens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all okay. very much related. Mm-hmm. And if someone, you know, were to come up to you and just kind of ask you about toxins, like what is the number one thing that you would tell them right away? Right away. Um, I always say, um, get rid of plastic. Okay, that's the number one tip, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. For, for yourself and the environment. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Sustainability. That's a whole other topic. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, I think it's a great conversation, and I kind of want the audience to know a little bit more about you. Mm-hmm. So let's do some fun questions. What? What kind of exercise do you do, uh, routine that you do to help, you know, with detoxification of the body? Sure. Um, I love yoga because it detoxes my, my mind. It also detoxes your body, but it's just, you know, mm-hmm. such a beneficial um, way to, to move. Um, I also do um, HIIT workouts. I, mm-hmm. I love, um, there's a Fit Chicks Groove is one that I, I do a lot. It's like a month subscription but they're just quick mm-hmm. 20 minute workouts and you know sweat is another great way to detoxify you should be trying to sweat every day um, mm-hmm. to help your body detoxify through your skin so I love that and then strength training um, and walking are kind of those those four things are what I do the most mm-hmm. okay cool sounds fun 
yeah, I do love yoga also. It's such a soothing. And yeah. yeah. All those meditative purposes. Yeah, it's so it's like great for everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so what is the one food ingredient that you have to have every day? Um, and this one's gonna be sound funny to people. Um, it doesn't always stand out, but I like to eat um, Brazil nuts, and I didn't used to to actually like them, but they're so beneficial for selenium, which um, with Hashimoto's and stuff, I have. Um, thyroid, you know, autoimmunity. So, um, they're very helpful and I can get my daily dose of selenium, um, through that. And it's just a great hormone balancer as well. So, and selenium is great for detoxification, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. That's good for, it's really good. And a lot of people are, um, deficient in it. Mm-hmm. So it's a good one to bring on board. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing all your knowledge and experience and toxins with us today. Um, I hope that I know the viewers will get a lot out of it. I for sure got some out of it. Um, Good. More, I'm kind of more motivated to make my own makeup now. We'll see how that goes. Oh, great. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. curious about that. Yeah. Because um, I, like I like the whole idea of, you know, being able to make my own shade depending on what I put in it and stuff. Right. Yeah, and the different pigmentations and stuff like that. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. You have to send some over here to Nigeria. <laughs> maybe I'll wait for you to come back to the states. Then maybe I'll. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, and also because you travel a lot, and then obviously you can't control the toxin exposure around you. Um, mm-hmm. What is one tip, one travel tip, you know, to reduce toxin exposure? I always. Mm, well, when you travel a lot on the airplane, you're exposed to all sorts of like radiation mm-hmm. and like just massive amounts of flame retardant um, mm-hmm. when you're on the plane for good reason, but it's really hard on our bodies. Um, yeah. So for that, I just recommend when you get off the plane that you wash your clothes and take a shower as soon as you can um, mm-hmm. to mitigate that. Okay. Um, and then I just try to eat fresh and local where where I'm at, um, uh-huh. like I'm going to, I'm going to Greece in a couple of days and I cannot wait to get my hands on like fresh local food. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and then I guess my other big travel tip is really to take probiotics because oh. the environment is different. So just okay. having, um, yeah, like take it on the plane before you eat I just take it all. I take pro- probiotics all the time, but just like okay. as a, to have with you, throughout your travels that you need to take a really good probiotic and it's going to help your gut health and all of that as well oh that's a good one i didn't think of that one yeah (laughs) definitely bring it with me um okay cool so where can you know my audience find you uh the best place is probably on instagram at at green papaya health um or on my website greenpapayahealth.com i'm over there I, i blog about all things um periods and hormones and things like that and also about environmental toxins and is there anything that you kind of want to give away to the audience yeah i'll be sending in a a link of um it's a quick list of things to do around your house house to help detoxify it nice that sounds great um let me put that all in the show notes so our audience can find you and i love the name green papaya house it makes me think of like tropical Oh, yeah. I don't know. Very spa-like. 
Thank you. Yeah, I've lived I've lived in the tropics for a while now, and then it, it papaya is really really nourishing for your menstrual health as well as your digestive health. So I was like, oh, this works really well. Yeah, but, that's true, yeah. and I think it's not very common to eat papaya here. Not as much as like berries or other things. Right, so right, and it can yeah. be really really good for your for your menstrual health. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thanks, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Great. Okay. <laughs>